0: Hey, what's up, guys? Lucas Burnley here, along with my co-host, TJ Schwartz, and you are listening to the Edge and Flow podcast. How's it going, TJ? Things are going good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah,
1: I'm happy, and I'm not busy, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Not busy. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, Okay, so what's that mean? It means you took a break over the weekend,
1: right? Yep, yep. We did go up in the mountains, like we said.
0: Didn't turn into a word trip.
1: It did not. It was, it was a blast. It was cold. Dude. It was rainy, but it's like that time of year, and it's kind of beautiful up there. High enough elevation that the trees are turning, changing colors. So, Dude, I know.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like fall now. Yeah. We got snow on the mountain already, nice. which is wild. Can you see Mount Hood from Bend? Uh, yes. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Um, we'll get you out here one of these days. You can yeah. see it's crazy because you can go to Pilot Butte, and you can see like 360 degrees. So you can see like a bunch of the major mountain ranges. Yeah. That's um, really cool. I've blown um, through there, but I haven't spent really much time. Yeah. We'll get not enough. In. Cause you're not busy anymore. So it's like, yeah, it's easy.
1: Just like that all the time.
0: <laughs> just swing on by. Yep. Nice. And then, uh, all right, we're coming back into the next weekend. So Ooh. how was, uh, how a shop work this week? Good.
1: Uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in the shop this week. Uh, the first two days of the week was mostly me sharpening and shipping yep dalton assembling and then in between he's been making basically sheaths all week nice um because we decided to front load all the sheaths to be built for the show and so he's telling me that pretty much while we're recording this he's going to finish up all our sheaths, so we'll have that ready and then the next two weeks roughly we're basically going to be finishing knives that are already heat treated that will go to the show so nice
0: any yeah. any progress on the vacuum or is that going to be held off and for a while
1: vacuum yeah like oh, the vac system the kydex. For kydex? oh yeah. uh we have the game plan okay um we have a, a new product coming we want it to be sort of the the tester and Ooh, we're nice. u- use it to try to try to do that and so we're still in the old school kydex method for our other knives if it works on that knife then we scale it you know so we'll start there that's going to be probably after blade show
0: sweet mm-hmm Nice, man. Well, it's yeah. funny. So I was, I was thinking about this while I was working. It's like kind of medic cause it like starts to crisscross over quite a bit. Uh, I was finishing. I'm like basically finishing out my month of like, I, I kind of had this plan of like doing like the real basic work, like hitting like a blocked amount of it and then moving mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. this month has been weird. Cause I've basically done it twice because we had the USN show but I got back from that show and decided to kind of like restart the process. And as I was working through it, um, I started thinking about you and while I was working, this is like, this is weird. Like I'm trying to figure it out in my head. Uh, I was essentially thinking about finding satisfaction and maintaining satisfaction in your work. Mm -hmm. And now you have, you have a completely different workflow than you did a few years ago. Oh, yeah. But it's still early days. And so I was just kind of curious, like, even from like the, like, I don't know how to relate it, like the CAD standpoint to like physical manufacturing, if you're noticing any difference in like how you perceive satisfaction around your work and if it is, if there's a variable. Mm hmm.
1: I'll say this product development is probably where I have the most satisfaction. I'm doing more of that this year than I was since I started manufacturing and having, having extra help in the shop has been critical for that. Mm -hmm. But the, the least satisfying thing that's on my plate right now is the top level business, like mindset that I've had to get into in terms of, it's it's like marketing, but marketing is only a part of the picture. You know what I mean? Right. It's more it's like, like it's
0: like conversations, and well, maybe not even the conversations being time consuming yet, but yeah, that yeah. type
1: of time, like you talked about, like the manager schedule. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I that that workload has drastically increased, um, and so it's it's been interesting trying to balance that because there's parts of that that I like and there's parts of it that I don't. Yeah, um, but generally, if I'm in the shop, I'm very happy right yeah. now. Um, but I actually am not in the shop as much as I would like, but that may be the new normal. You know what I mean? It's
0: I, I don't know. It's just, it's something that I think about semi-routinely. I think because my interests in the shop are varied, right? Mm-hmm. Like even just between like stock removal and forging or something, something like that, or making it by hand or drawing it in CAD. And I've, I've kind of tried to figure out like, where like where the draw is in any process Mm -hmm. there are processes that are just enjoyable and and that's kind of where I was like thinking about it in relation for you is like 20 years from now are those processes still enjoyable like you can't answer the question but it's just like interesting looking back 20 years where I'm like oh yeah like I think there's a lot of people that actually just they find like the the thing that they enjoy doing and then they're just like they kind of stay they stick there though yeah, this yeah they're not like looking for growth past the work because the work is like the enjoyable process yeah yeah
1: no i i'm i'm enjoying it all across the board like it's like growth and like hard fought growth and like mm. every story you've ever heard about starting a business, like the hardship, but the excitement and the, the new feeling like mm. it's a supercharge uh, for, mu- for me over the last two years. Like you said, when I went into manufacturing, because it was such a pivot that it just feels like starting a new business from the ground up, which it kind of is. Um, and so I'm just, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's, it's been, it's,
0: it's been pretty cool. fun, like organic. I think yeah. that has a lot to do. I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod last week, but so like as, as we're like shifting our schedules and like, we have a new school schedule for the kids. We've got my dad with us, like all of these things that have kind of reformed what our available work hours are one decision we made and stop me. If I already talked about this is to move. So we were using like a three PL third party logistics for a lot of our shipping. Mm-hmm.
1: We talked about this after the pod last week, but not on the pod. So
0: this is like relevant. Um, We had the realization that with the type of work and output that we have right now, even though a 3PL, there's still an efficiency around it, the cost for that efficiency isn't valuable which is like, it's kind of a weird thing to look at. You're like, well, how is an efficiency not valuable? Baseline, we probably spend $1,300 a month to do like our our shipping through this 3PL. Mm -hmm. What we realized is like, if Maddie and I do it, do the shipping together, we can essentially move through like a pretty, I mean, you're seeing it with shipping right now. Like Mm -hmm. you can move through like a high volume of packages in like a pretty short amount of time. You also have better oversight, less mistakes. um, And really that money that you're paying out is then being paid internally. Mm -hmm. Unless there is something being done effectively with that time savings, it doesn't make sense to outsource it.
1: Yeah.
0: Is kind of like what, at least that's what it is for us right now. We are like, okay. And then as we were doing it, we're kind of like, it's so familiar. Like I shipped all of my own packages for, I don't know, eight years. Yeah. And I've been out of it for so long. Like, it's actually really nice to put your eyes on something that you haven't done again and be like, oh, like, okay, like maybe we should use a different tape or it's like, it's like founder's founder's overview mm-hmm. touching back on the processes that you've like kind of left behind for
1: sure yeah so and for some reason like the 3pl thing i think it makes would make sense for me if my business was a little bit different but for some reason it gives me anxiety thinking about totally. it Totally. yeah i don't know what it is but
0: uh it's so it's interesting this is this was our first time using it. And what we kind of saw is there's definitely a business model that it's perfect for. Um, product comes in, they put it on the shelf, they ship the product. Um, the place that we're using is great. They're uh, like you, you know, a lot of the people that are in there, it's like a drink company or something where it's like, mm-hmm. they're doing wholesale or like a pallet comes in, a pallet goes out or it's broken down and shipped out. Um, we have so many like small detail, like, you know, we'll run a batch of scipops and it's like, there's four variations and you've got yeah. to really be on point, like looking at the labels and there's just a point where you're like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense at this scale. If again, when we started, one of the big goals for us was to be able to leave. So like we knew that we could leave for a month and our shipping, we didn't have to shut down the website. Mm-hmm. So that made a lot of sense that like creates value at this point, we're not doing that. So where my head was at when we were doing is it, it kind of like, man, it's just that constant, um, process of like looking at systems that you put into place and intuitively like seeing if they feel like they're still the best choice. Mm hmm. And some you just leave in place because you're like in stream and you're just running and you just do it. But I think there's, I think there's a pretty valuable practice around kind of like stepping back every once in a while and being like, does this still make sense? Normally I would say people do that when they feel like something is behind, but I think it has equal value in things that you've pushed ahead. So Mm -hmm. like we pushed ahead for a while and easily could have just left that system in place, even though like the day to day had changed. Yeah. So it was, it was weird. It was weird. We were make, making the system. It like, feels like a step backwards. And then we did it and I was like, Oh, this is, gr- it's actually great. It makes so much more sense. It's like, yeah. fits the scale of what we're doing. And like, there's something nice about just doing the work.
1: Yeah. Right. The- that, yeah, the actual shipping to me is like, it is kind of a headache and a little bit like tedious, but it has a huge like satisfaction factor for me because yep. it's like dropping off boxes at the post office or like to your mailman yep. or whatever you're doing it. It's, it's not quite the feeling of handing someone a finished knife that bought it directly from you, but it's close. You know it's what I mean? very, yeah. Well, it's yeah. like,
0: it's like cycle completion. Yeah. And just like, you, I don't know, we're shipping and I'm like, we're doing like pick and pull and I'm like seeing names that I recognize and like, you know, oh, it's like you can write that person a note or like throw hmm. something extra in the box for someone who you recognize. And it's like, we kept a lot of those human details when we went to 3PL and we paid for it. We're like every, every, we want every packing slip signed, like, thank you. And, and all of that stuff adds up and it's still not you. Yeah. So. It's interesting, it's like I don't know, it's kind of all- all tied together. I'm like doing work like doing very simple work in the shop right now, and then we're doing shipping, and i'm like this is this feels like yeah. it did ten years ago, but it also felt really good.
1: I will say the next role that I think I will fill when like we get to that point is going to be someone to pick up some. Some time on the actual shipping, probably not a full-time, just like one day a week thing. Yep. Make a shipping day like every Friday or whatever and have someone a, come it's in. It's actually a
0: surprisingly hard person. I imagine. Very, um, very detail critical. They have to be detail oriented. Mm-hmm. It's like your probably like ideal candidate is someone who's like an office worker, like someone yeah. who is familiar with. I don't know. It's just a different, cause we've, we've tried over the years, just like putting someone in that role more often than not, it does not work.
1: Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. yeah
0: it's, but it's, that was go ahead.
1: Well, I've been using it as a, as a QC. So like yeah. I'm QCing knives and they're getting shipped and it gives me direct control over which knife is going to who. Um, I think I need to be more in a position of doing the QC, like, Dalton's doing the assembly. I would love to have a QC, like every box of knives, there's like a piece of paper. And if I'm not signing it, we're not shipping it kind of thing. And yep. then it goes from me to someone that's actually putting them and printing labels, putting them in boxes, taping boxes. Yeah. Um, but that does sound like it has some complexities that could be a little bit difficult because you, you got like a a relay that happening there
0: the relay is hard well and yeah. you're at like a space premium so like you're, it's like you could almost do your like a, a an internal 3pl which is weird where it's like okay you have a big box of knives in the shop everything is q seed every maybe everything even has like a pick and pull list or something like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that goes to a person who then takes it back to like their place and finishes shipping yeah that's scary though Yeah. And also seems like just more complicated. So it's like you have someone come in. Well, and the other thing I think too, is like, we're looking at this from a standpoint of creating value around time. Right. So Mm -hmm. we know that if we have to ship everything, we have to be more efficient about not only the way that we do it, but the way that we sell product, because Mm -hmm. it makes more sense to ship, you know, 50 packages one day then three packages on Monday and like seven the next day. So we're basically going back to a model where we'll probably have like, all right, packages ship Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah. Like that's it. You place your order and you get a notification ships Monday and Thursday. Right. Um, I don't like shipping right before the weekend. Um, you want, you don't want to ship once a week, but Mm -hmm. we can't ship five days a week either. Yeah. That's Um, tough. Yeah. So it's just been kind of like, I don't know. It's been fun diving back into that process again.
1: Yeah. And speaking of that, we've had an interesting kind of feeling this week. So in months and years past, I've always had like a pretty big backlog. Like I had multi-month wait lists for my knives. Yep. Um, And so orders would come in, they would wait several months. And it basically, the result was I always was trying to chip away at a large pile of orders We are now to the point where we're trying to get inventory going, meaning we're trying to scrape through the last orders on the books and trying to have them like basically zeroed out or close to it. And we've found that when the closer you get to zero orders, actually, the more complicated it gets. Um, And it's kind of counterintuitive. You'd think it would get simpler when there's less orders. But when you have a lot of orders, you can just be like, all right, I'm going to sharpen a bunch of black Saracode Overlands. Yeah. We're going to just build black Cerakote Overlands until we're out in those and we'll ship all those. And then I'm going to sharpen a bunch of stonewash confidants and we'll ship all those. And we'll just do that for like two days. But now it's like, okay, we have 12 orders we need to fill. Every single one's a different model. Every single one's a different whatever. Um, and it will, won't be that hard when the knives are sharpened and inventoried because you're just assembling. Right. But when the Kydex, when we're not quite at the tipping point and the Kydex may not be built. Right. It may not be seracoded yet. We're like right on the verge. So it's like it gets to be like a tighter juggling act. That yeah, you have to run things for one part. Yeah, essentially. Or so that's an interesting thing that kind of has been surprising and interesting.
0: Yeah, that makes. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So, like, yeah, maybe in there, that's a tricky one because orders come in individually. So it's like, yeah, you have a bunch of orders that are the same. It's almost like you're just taking orders for one thing at a time. To create yeah. an efficiency, you're like, all right, and maybe, maybe as you add models and add options, maybe that does actually become the thing. You're mm-hmm. like, all right, we know we have a bunch of people that want this configuration. Okay, we're taking orders for this configuration. Mm-hmm. Finish those, you move on to the next one. Yeah, um, for sure. That's tricky though, with like the model that you've kind of built, where someone can go on and like build it out.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think this is going to get a lot smoother. Like I said, once we have inventory assembling whether it's Serco, whether it's a different model whether it's a different handle scale that really doesn't matter if we have inventory and then kind of like the goal between dalton and i is to make sure the inventory is restocked before it's expired you know yep um and so it's like right now like i said right at the tipping point of inventory and we don't have enough knives to just be like 25 of these 25 of these, 25 of these so it's like we're having to divvy you know what i mean um, and so it's, it's kind of, it's interesting. It's working, but it's like, it feels different. It's like when you're getting to the bottom of the order list, it's like, it's a different thing. It's kind of cool though. It feels
0: good. That's what, that's like what I hated about custom orders. Yeah. There's no, there's no flow at a point mm-hmm. where you're just like, this thing is so that like left-handed knives, like it's a custom knife maker. People are like, Oh, just make a left hand. you're like, at a point, you're like, you literally reversing everything. Yeah. And then at the point where you're using CNC, it's like, this different fixtures. Yeah. And then they're complicated because mm. your brain, you've made X amount of a knife one way, and then everything becomes backwards. It's actually yep. very tricky. Becomes offhand. Sorry, yeah. lefties.
1: Yeah. That's... Mm. that's uh, Oddly enough, we were dumb enough to take a fixed blade and make right and left-handed versions because now, now, cause we do our Kydex sheets and like true right-handed left hand, right. like non-ambi. And I like it that way. It's, it's kind of it makes them sleek and kind of clean and stuff, but it does add a little bit of complication, but.
0: Do you have a, do you have a, a perception of percentage?
1: Uh, percentage it's, oh, I mean, it's overwhelmingly right hand for sure. Right Um, But the situation we're getting into, like I said, is having stock of right and left hand of the standard sheets Mm -hmm. and sheets. We've been pretty good about getting into stock scales. No problem. We don't run out of scales really at all. Um, Really, I guess it's just the tanks. It's like you've got the different models, you got the different finishes, and it's the fact that they're limited in supply. Like we can't make those fast enough, you know what I mean? So that's where the, the sticking point is. 'Cause it'd be it's nice tricky. to just have like snap your fingers and have like a hundred extra blades to then divvy up, but it's like, yeah, you can't snap your fingers and go send it through the whole supply chain.
0: It's it's hard when you add product to you. Like I'm going through that a little bit right now where it's like when and this is probably something I should be like learning from you, which is like how many parts to machine in a batch based on how long it takes to finish those parts and how often you want to release those parts. So it's like, mm-hmm. I'm running the machine. It's like, do I run two months worth of parts, but then like parse them out, like, and then run again in two months. Mm-hmm. And that is like, cause there's certain things where like, when I'm like, like Polly's I'll run like a hundred or 200 or something, and then maybe finish, you know, we were finishing probably like 25 to 50 a month or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it's like almost like run it quarterly, but then you also, when you have the variations, the variations become a problem because you're like, how do I do that? If I want, you know, 15 of one material or run a special run or something like that. It's like, that is where having like someone running the machine would be very nice. Yeah. But I don't know.
1: Yeah. We're we've landed on the goal is to run the style one one and a half days every single week okay Um, and so the way it works right now is a bunch of um, water jet parts are sitting over at ron's my brother-in-law's he does the surface grinding okay so he surf i just told him surface grind one table load a week average if you could do that for me we'll machine one table load from the surface grinder a week average okay so our batch size is precisely dependent on how many of that model fits on a surface grinder okay so it's a bigger batch for a smaller knife you know what i mean and Mm so every every week i get together with him i get basically i I keep telling him like okay next week the next hottest priority kind of like a -a whack-a-mole thing the lowest inventory we have is this knife that's what we need you on next week then i just tell him like what the next two weeks kind of looks like and he just grinds and we just mill everything that comes into the shop from him and then every two weeks, basically, so two weeks worth of machining, that two-week batch goes to Heat Treat. So it's like a, a two-week cycle of going to Boise and getting them there and back from Heat Treat. Okay. Um, and that's just, we fall into that rhythm and it's just like small batch frequently. That sounds great. It, it, it's working
0: Yeah, pretty much
1: ideal. Yeah. Um, it works good.
0: I think that the small batch frequently is where I'm at with everything what I'm trying to figure out right now is the time of the small batches because I have so many different products. The other thing that is tricky is figuring out the value of a given product. So Maddie and I were talking yesterday. I'm like, all right, I can make uh, six of this knife or I can make 25, uh, polys or something mm-hmm. like that, like a little pry bar. Right. Mm-hmm. Which one of those is more valuable if they have the same basic like return, like mm-hmm. financial return? This last one, Maddie was like, well, the Polly's like, get, we get more product into more people's hands. She's like that. So that right now is like, that's pretty valuable. Even though like six pieces can yield the same monetary return. Yeah. And I think that that is something where it's like the the not. not linear bottom line really comes into play. Um, and I have, I'm like, I don't know, I guess it's a moving target Mm -hmm. because there's probably times where you're like, Oh man, it's like, for instance, if I do one open bid a month, that would actually negate the need for a bunch of other product on a monetary basis. But essentially that only gets a product into one person's hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's some, I feel like there's like a middle ground there, which is ultimately like what I'm trying to kind of create is a system where I don't have to think about this. It's like, you just do like, here's, here's what I've laid out. Like do that work automatically every month, regardless of a good show or Mm -hmm. uh, a good month of royalties or a good open bid. Mm -hmm. And it's that consistency. Like I think for, Some of us, you, I think are much better at this and it fits in your business model. But I would say like knife makers in general, they can easily fall into that. Like, Oh, I just did a show. Like things are great. Like I'm going to take it easy for a little while. And so I'm basically trying to like alleviate not the ability to do that, but like the indecision that leads to that. Like I just got done with a show. I've got enough money in the bank. I don't really know what I want to work on next. I'm going to like, I'll take a couple of weeks. It's like no, just back into the system, yeah, yeah. making the 50 parts. Yep. Um, and we're, it's, it's been a couple of months now and we're starting to see like a pretty good effect from it. That's
1: awesome. Um, That's awesome. yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's a uh, stabilization. That's been kind of the name of the game for me since I had the time to think about it. You know, I didn't really have the time to think about that when I was the only one in the shop, but now looking at a little more bird's eye view is like, I'm looking at, I have, a bunch of spreadsheets and I have one, you know, that's like revenue
0: mm-hmm. and one that's
1: a little bit more, uh, product sales focused and stuff. And I'm looking at like the kind of boomer bust explosive nature of it and just trying to inject, like, what can I do to stabilize it? Um, less peaky. That's kind of like the whole dude less thing. peaky.
0: I mean, it's yeah. like any investing. It's like, you kind of just want the boring thing, right? Yeah. Like I, and I would say that that is that's one of the pitfalls of like self employment in a way is like for years and years, like I was very used to feast or famine. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took like an, uh, uh, like in like, like focused decision to be like, I want to change that. Even though like I feel okay with it, I realized like it's not the best practice. Mm -hmm right? You're re- like, you have a family or you have like higher, like, you know, you like more financial responsibility. Like there's a point where it's like, I was very confident in taking risks that would, you know, drain my bank account to zero and be like, all right, I'm going to make that up in the next three weeks. And then I'll be yeah. good again. It's like, yeah, at this point, it's like the furthest thing from yeah. what I want to do. Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. Stability starts to be sound a lot, a lot nicer when you have Sounds Kids pretty good. And and, stuff.
0: Yeah, stability and yeah. consistency. Yeah. Well, and it's I think that that it used to be that like the wild cards averaged made for a consistent year or something. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I know how much money I'm gonna make, kind of, but some of that is gonna be like Hail Marys or like feeling yeah. like I got lucky. Yeah. And at this point, what it's switching to is like my baseline my baseline like this the the almost the worst case scenario has to be enough to take care of my needs Mm -hmm. and my family's needs and then anything on top of that it comes back into that like exciting yeah borderline gamble phase or like response where you're like yeah "Yeah, that's awesome but it's but it's in addition not not reliant upon
1: yeah exactly no that's that's a a great way to put it and it's, it's, I think the things that I've been putting in place, like using the turn and like slow burning it, that was huge. Cause I look at like earlier this year, we had a record month. It was like when we dropped the sport and we had got a lot of attention and it was wide open order books. I'm like, sweet record month. But then the next two months they weren't bad, but they were like very, very mediocre because it's like, all we can think about is making these sports. We didn't even send them to YouTubers because we felt like we had so many orders to fill that we're like, it doesn't seem fair to send knives to YouTubers.
0: Right. Well, then, people aren't going to be able to get yeah, it. Then we right.
1: fulfill all that. And then we're like, well, I really wish we had sent knives to YouTubers because now we've kind of gone through the product cycle of who's in our bubble. Now I'd really love to see more people talking about this, but now it's like, it's, it's like I waited too long, you know what right. I mean? So it's like, just got bogged down. Yeah. But and that's so- the
0: lesson right there. Right. Like there's yeah. a best practice there. You're like new mm-hmm. model. You fire two off. You're like two. That's two go yep. two YouTubers or to whoever. But maybe that is a consistency that you like don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. It's
1: hard. I I lost you there for a minute. I don't know if the oh, recording weird. stayed pretty clean. Yeah, I could hear everything. You can hear me now though, right? Yep. Okay. I can't see you anymore, but we weird. can continue because you sound clear. Okay. <laughs> All um, right. Fingers crossed. Oh, but, but I, uh, yeah it, it should be recorded locally and then later uploaded so we should be good but i was gonna uh also circle back and say that like we had that record month and i look at it and now like you would think like that's just something you know to hang your hat on like that's sweet but now i'm thinking i look at like this month and it was a really good month we launched the turn and it, but we didn't go wide open and it's like we could have made a run for that for another record but i think um. I'm like tempering my enthusiasm over like setting records. You know what I mean? Yep. In whether it's monthly, quarterly, yearly, like it doesn't matter. Like what matters is it's like the deviance from normal month to month is what is more important. Um, so we're trying to, we're just trying to tighten that up and it's, it's been a, this month ended up being, I'm really happy. We're about done with the month. And it's like, it kind of hit like right on the target we're looking for. Um, and so it's just, I was talking to my wife last night. I was like, we just want to, rinse and repeat like we just want to keep this system moving like one step at a time like that's where we're at
0: that's the the slow growth thing is really man i don't know i just think over the long term there's a lot of value in it and like obviously it's like lot like one hand you have lottery winnings the other hand you work until retirement Right. right and there's like some middle ground in there so the like the you know, when something good happens and it pushes you down the line a little bit further, that's amazing. Even like pricing, like I, I've never gone back on my pricing, but I I've also raised my prices like very slowly over the years. Mm-hmm. When I looked at it, I was like, I think I early on, I had like timed a complicated knife, figured out what I was making an hour. And I was like, all right, that knife, that's like the least I'm going to make because everything else is more efficient than that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, kind of like go from there. Yeah. I just feel like that, like in, in general for me is a method that works very well. Like I look and I'm like, I don't think there's ever been a year where we made less than the year before. Yeah. And that's like, I don't know if that's luck or if, you know, who knows, like maybe I'm missing out on like some crazy potential or something. Mm -hmm. But when you're, when you're doing this stuff solo, I think that, I think it, it gives like a more stable type of growth. Mm -hmm. I listen to all these podcasts Mm -hmm. around like, um, you know, like startups and like essentially like there's so many people that like, when you start your business, you're starting off with investors. Right. There's a part of me that could like see having an investor at some point. Right. But it would be a hard sell. Oh yeah. Like there would have to be a very, very good reason for me to do that. Yeah. I'm, know? I feel kind of allergic to that idea. Right.
1: Um, I don't know. Like I can see the benefit and I've seen people do that and have success with that formula. Totally. But, but like you said, it's like, I just want to build a pyramid brick by brick. Like yep, I may be on that first row longer than everybody else, but I'm okay with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, that like the comparative side of what we do, at this point is probably harder than at any other time because like you can just look and it's like, you look at social media and everybody looks like they're doing the best things ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't actually know. Yeah. You know, yeah. but
1: yeah, I don't know. there's, there's a lot of ways to build a business and um, I'm just trying to do it. The, the fun reliable way that takes care of the family in the meantime Not necessarily looking to be, you know, top of the world, richest guy in the knife industry, and soon as possible. Like I I just don't think too much
0: about it. That thought, right there, actually, though, I was thinking about it this morning. A lot of times before we record, I'm like, Ah, is there like something that we could like just dig into a little bit? Thought exercise, and like one of those things is like, are there rich knife makers? like wealthy, what like, and at what point is someone considered like rich or wealthy in the knife industry? Like I can think of like a couple.
1: Yeah. Well, it's all relative too. It's all
0: relative. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I just was thinking about, I'm like our industry has less of a roadmap towards that. Yeah. Than some others. And it's yeah. like, what does it take? Like if you, cause when I started, like everybody told me you couldn't make a living. Right. And I just was reading i mean I was reading a post from like a surfboard shaper, and it was essentially the same kind of like thought process around like people complaining about their prices and then like the time that it actually takes to produce what they produce and you're like it's it's not like industry specific yeah there's a bunch of like niche industries where people are like they ride this line i don't i think so yeah,
1: yeah and I, the thing is I think the industry is moving and advancing and changing direction all the time. It seems like you you see like wealth pop up when when a direction changes. It's like someone led a direction change. And then once Ooh. the industry is moving that direction, then it's harder. You can't really repeat what they did. It's kind of like yeah, you, either totally. have, you, you either have to be in front of it or it's you like have early to early adopter. It. Yeah. And it's like, so You when I look at the list of people in the industry who I'm like, wow, they made it like they really cashed in. It's like each one of them did something different. They don't right. they don't all have this pattern of like oh I see how it's done. They're all doing right. this. It's like it doesn't seem like that. No. Um so I've tried not to take too many notes from you can, you know, at a personal level there's a ton to learn from people who are more successful than you and who've done it longer than you, but like 100% copying a formula yep is it's just a bad idea.
0: I mean like the idea of I think there's value in the idea of modeling. If you're like, I don't know what my next step is. This person is, seems like they are doing well. I'm going to try to like model some behavior, like some steps. Yeah. It's almost like, I feel like in a way it's almost like having kids, right? So you have kids and you essentially become an expert at, at kids, right? Like theoretically, (laughs) like you become a good parent, based on the information that is available to your generation. Yeah. Your parents' generation was given different information that they became experts with. This is why I think there's so much of like uh, a difference in like what grandparents think and what like our generation thinks of like child rearing and like just, just like gut responses to things. We will probably have the same things with our kids when we're grandparents. Right. Yeah. I feel like, the knife industry, in a way, or like probably some of these smaller industries are very similar where you're like, I have what I'm set on is like, oh, this is like how Instagram works. And then the, like someone new is like, yeah, I don't even use Instagram. It's all TikTok. They're yeah. you know, like, some of those methods, like I probably have things that are valuable, but the whole methodology may have actually shifted. Yeah. Like they're like, yeah, we can't show knives on TikTok. So we have to like do this, this, and this as a workaround. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: it's it,
0: it's interesting and i think
1: i maybe i'm gonna like shoot myself in the foot by doing this but like i think in the last three to five years i've really s- stopped looking at what our other people are doing so much yeah. um and just like i can see what is valuable in what I'm doing and like yep. just double, triple, quadruple down on that. And like the industry, cause like you hear about macroeconomics right now, you hear yep. about like, is the economy slowing down is like, is, is this going on inflation? And it's like, I'm just trying to shut all that out. It's like, we're just going to make the knives that I think are really useful and cool and good. Yep. And that's all we're going to do. And yep. it's like, you got to have your head up on a swivel for sure. I mean, you can run into a brick wall, but I think. I spent the first half of my like whole career, I think like modeling what I saw as like people were doing right. it, were successful. And I don't think it worked that well because it's yeah. like some, it's like they already cashed in They Like you can't win the Powerball by using someone else's lottery numbers that already won. You know Ooh, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's already been done. So it's truth.
0: Gotta, well, and like, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a few, I think for me, I think that I have, I've kind of like, Done things my own way, but I will second guess decisions. So I'll have something that's working really well and I'll second guess it because like things that other people are doing. And I'm like, that's what I should be doing. And like in the last couple of years, I think I've gotten better at just kind of accepting like, I I can't, that's this is what I'm doing that's working. So I'm going to work with that. And I'm going to, I'm going to like, it's like the feed the strong concept. It's like, do you push for the thing that you have that's not working or that you're not good at? Or do you like feed? the strong yeah you know element yeah and right now i'm like oh i want to feed the strong elements agreed you know Mm -hmm. and like think just thinking back on like the like the tide shift kind of stuff totally right there thinking about like okay 10 10 or 15 years ago you had the guys that were going into like creating their own companies like you know a long time ago like emerson or like, and then you had like, like Rick Hinderer, mm-hmm. right. Where it was like that now, like people are doing like OEM and like overseas production. And you're like, you see less of like that process. It's super interesting. Like yeah. where the, like, wh- I don't know, like where those industry, uh, like where the flow is it, you, in a way it used to make, I think almost more sense to me. Cause you're like, oh, you have knife maker, knife maker wants more. Knife maker moves into production builds knives, mm-hmm. right? It's like Chris Reeve kind of yeah. style. Yeah. Now you have, you have like a middle ground where like you can skip knife making, right. And go into production or yeah. Go, like, yeah. And I don't know long-term like what, like, I guess like weird, like weirdly, maybe it goes back like the other way. Right. And you're like, like very small scale. I don't know. It's fun yeah. to think about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, there's a lot happening, honestly, like, yeah, and like I said, like when I, when I start thinking about it, it's like a, I feel a trigger in my brain that's like, stop thinking about that. It's like, yeah, fully. I don't know what it is. It's like, I, I feel like my, I tune out of my own thoughts as soon as I start looking at what other people are doing. And it's only because i like I said, I feel like I just burned a few years, like thinking too much about it. Like yeah. I have that feeling, you know what I mean? Um, Cause I feel like maybe in the very beginning I had, I didn't know what was going on in the industry. So I couldn't have modeled or followed at all. Right. You know what I mean? And it paid off. It like worked well. And then you I don't stopped. know what you don't know. And, and then worked. the more I knew, the more I was like, okay, now I know the formula. Like I'm, I'm seeing what people are doing. And then like became like a little bit too entranced by that. And then just, eventually decided that wasn't the path i need to go back to the original roots of like i'm just going to make the my own path i guess
0: also I don't know. probably is just you being at a certain point of like capability security because yeah. you're like i can i'm doing this this is like yeah. what i'm doing i don't have to worry yeah. about like what other people are doing you're not yeah. looking for outside validation necessarily yeah. or like trying to find the path that works best
1: the confidence is definitely a huge part of this yeah you know what I mean it's like the, the confidence to ignore what appear to be market forces or like opinions out there yeah it takes you have to ignore a lot of things you know to have like and it takes almost, confidence almost
0: everything yeah because I think about like the majority of the time people have told me that things won't work, and it's like I'm sure that's true for them. Mm but you have to remember that like everybody's experience and capability is different. Yeah. I guess, I mean, that's like the root of like the run your own race thing, but it's hard because there's so much, there's so much like visual noise and chatter and like change that I think like, well, and maybe this is just a, maybe this is just like a duration thing. Like, you know, 20 plus years in like maintaining relevancy. Mm-hmm. Is something where I'm like, oh man, am I still like, how do I keep my relevancy 20 yeah. years from now? Am I still relevant or has, has that like passed by? And like, maybe, it, maybe it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't know what you don't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a head trip. Definitely. Thinking about it. That one got kind of heady. Yeah. The, the big, big, big picture. <laughs> macro macro. Yeah. I, I will say this kind of jumping back to the good old days there's yeah. something i want to revive that i've mentioned on the podcast i want to do cad courses dude and i don't know if people have listened to the podcast enough to know that i used to do a bunch of video courses on dvd and that's how you and i first really crossed, crossed paths yep and uh dvds are obviously out but i i want I think to release dvds <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> Vintage, it's like vinyl, it's vintage, it's yeah. Like- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Comes yeah. with a DVD player,
1: yeah. Like, honestly, DVD players from like 1999 are probably coming back into style in no time, you know what I mean? Like, becoming mm-hmm. collectible again. It's like the Walkman, but it's like a DVD player, you know what I mean?
0: I still like it. Okay, yeah. so CAD courses, so you want to do an online CAD course,
1: yeah. I signed for the pod just now, I was sitting here starting to, I've got to figure out the only real thing I can see in front of me is I got to figure out the delivery mechanism because DVDs aren't the thing, obviously. So yep how, how is it that it's monetized? How is it sold? How is it set up? Do I need a new website? Do I need to just use a different platform? So I was, I'm kind of digging into the research on that.
0: Ooh, interesting.
1: So That's it looks fun. like, it looks like Online courses are obviously kind of in a boom right now. Yeah. Um, everybody seems to be doing it in yep. pretty much every sphere. And so there's tons of like apps and stuff that have popped up that are specifically for it, like as a host.
0: Oh, that's cool. Um,
1: and so it's like, it seems like a competitive market hosting wise. So a lot to choose from. So maybe,
0: yeah, maybe that's something you don't have to do on your own. I like the idea of it being separated just from like a diversification standpoint. Yeah. I think that's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. Um, You and I have like talked about that a little bit, which is like the idea of, diversification from a platform sense and like mm-hmm. a product sense. Yeah. Where you're like okay, yeah, Instagram at some point could just be like no knife content. And you're mm-hmm. like dude, out. Okay, cool. You got your newsletter. Okay. Uh website hosting company could be like nope we don't care what you do or or whatever yeah. it is, right? It crashes. Yeah. Having having just multiple resources. I think is like a defensive like tactic. Yeah. Is really just a, it's again, best practice, right? Yeah. Like why put all of your eggs in one basket when you can have many baskets with and, one egg? I don't right, know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Philosophy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, no,
1: the, not the other thing, the answer to like, I was talking earlier about peaky, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't want peaky, you want stable. Yeah. Well, if you have enough things that are peaky, they average out. It's kind of like buying an index fund, at like S&P 500. It's like all those companies are booming and busting all the time. But if you average them, it gets flatter, right? Dude, so that, it's like
0: that from a content standpoint, I wish that is something that would be so fun is like to actually be able to put together courses where you're like things that knife makers or like don't learn. And it's not knife maker <laughs> specific, yeah. but you're yeah. like like, you know, I mean it's yeah, anyone can seek out like investing you know but we don't yeah so it's like what does knife making look like you know what does investment look like for a knife maker and like T-990. what <laughs> what works for <laughs> us and like where's like oh like what's good from a tax standpoint like okay back on the cad thing uh two questions can i sign up for it
1: we'll or see can i be it's a test be,
0: dummy <laughs> it's, it's gonna be limited so we'll see if you uh, can Are you going to do it like no professionals, no professional knife makers? (laughs) Yeah. No one's copying my flow here. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, and do you pull from the pod? Do you do like a, like a first pass, like research group kind of thing where you like run them through a test program? It's a good question.
1: I'd have to think about doing something like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, right now it's like, I'm thinking it's going to be mainly screen grab. Like I'm going to use this recording equipment for the yep. audio while screen capturing and so i'm recording my own screen okay uh, so i feel like the technical side and the audio side like is kind of like already there because we got this podcast going yeah uh, so as far as the biggest question is like making sure it's consumable like it's someone could could watch it or listen to it or whatever and like feel effective you know um, is
0: it general like do you go general cad or are you going knife specific
1: I want to start general. Um, yeah. I, it's going to have to get broken up because there's some people that are going to skip some things and whatnot. So it, to the degree it's broken up, I haven't decided yet because there could be like, you could go way, way low. Like this is a sketch, you know, yeah, this yeah, is,
0: yeah. This I actually, is... I actually think there's a lot of value in that. Agreed. Um, because you have like your building blocks. Mm-hmm. So kind of not, not really an aside tied in, but from the work that you and I did together, the work, there's a lot that I am still struggling with, but what that did was make it easy, much, much easier for me to take on simple projects. Mm. And the simple projects now are starting to build because I'm starting to see, like, oh, I'll run into like one area and I go back through my notes. So I'm like, oh, wait, dude, we covered this, but that was like super complicated when we covered it. And now it makes more sense. Yeah. And I just think that having that like linear flow and the ability to like go back and like look at like what was the what what did we do to get to this point like oh yeah. okay like what's that hotkey like yeah. some of that stuff that is like the the knowledge base that you have that is it's like native language at this yeah. point that i think is so hard to learn if you're coming in to it right no
1: i i agree completely the other question i have to ask myself is obviously fusion is going to be the main thing, but is yeah. it worthwhile to do a parallel course that's SolidWorks? because they, yeah, because
0: you're really good at it.
1: it it'd be easy to do f- from like a recording standpoint, yeah. but the question is like, is it worth it? So like if anyone's listening, is there anyone out listening that uses SolidWorks? That's a question I'd have to ask because it's like, it used to be, it was the thing, um, but it doesn't seem like, well, it for- but
0: you also have a valid point on that, which is like for certain tasks you prefer solidworks yeah oh yeah so i think you as like the like the expert the the fact that you can actually point to a use case that it's valuable makes it worthwhile to run a parallel course even if yeah. it's just hey like okay i realize 95% of you guys are going to be using uh fusion 360 there's some people that have solid works through a job or a, a student seat yeah. or some people who see the value in that next level. Yeah. The yeah. the 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 cost, you know, the price of the seat isn't a de, you know like a determining factor. Yeah. yeah. Um
1: no for sure. Yeah I'm, I'm gonna get on it. Honestly, after Blade Show West, that's kind of like top of mind a little bit. Ooh. Um it really is like like we talked about diversification, stabilization. Um, something that doesn't tax our supply chain, something yep. that's, you know, like I just want to inject a little bit more of that thing. Um, yep. and it shouldn't take a ton of like my time, especially once it's recorded, you know, yep. then it's just people downloading or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it, but a little bit kind of in the research mode. Cause I don't really, I don't, I just have no idea where or how to distribute it. That's the question.
0: I love that. That's like a fun that's like a fun homework assignment. Like yeah, if you're listening to this, is there anything that you can do to create any amount of additional income that is passive? Yeah. Anything that you're doing or like more passive. Yeah. Right. Can you Lower- make a, an extra $500 a month mm-hmm. somehow? Yep. And then can you completely offline that money into a, high yield savings account or a, you know, yeah. Investment portfolio. Yeah. Bitcoin for sure. <laughs> <laughs> i still buying Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. Small. Uh, you know, what's funny? it's funny. I, I do like, I have just like a small reoccurring buy. That's my gambling money. Like I mm-hmm. just don't care. Mm-hmm. I I'm, it gives me something to read mm-hmm. every once in a while. I like check in and I like see like, Oh, what's like, what's crypto doing? Yeah. I, I will say not investment advice. <laughs> You no, know, not. I will, <laughs> This is if, for entertainment purposes only.
1: Great, that's a great disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, full advisory. We need to put a banner on this one. I w- I will say here's an actual piece of advice, and it was what you just said, and that is if there's something you're interested in, whether it's investing in the stock market, investing in Bitcoin, investing in anything, if you're thinking like I don't have enough cash to make a justifiable investment that's actually like worth the growth just throw like a hundred bucks into, into something that you're passively interested in because having like a hundred dollars in it, like you just said is going to make you read about it. It's going to give you like, it sounds crazy, but like that small stake in the game or 50 bucks or 20 bucks, it's 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 like skin in the game. It's enough to make you think about it. And, and what happens with me and like when I started doing it was like, the more I start thinking about it, the more money I want to put into it. And then more investing kind of sucks you in. It's kind of like, you just got to get your toe
0: in somewhere, you know? I've always done that with tools. Mm -hmm. Like I will buy things that I don't know how to use or don't have an immediate need for because I'm interested in them and want to learn more about them. Yeah, I know again, like ADHD stuff, like I need kind of like these dopamine, like rewards. A lot of times I'm better off doing something if I'm excited about the thing and sometimes Mm -hmm. getting the thing ahead of actually the knowledge is the one that pushes it over. Yeah. Sometimes it's a terrible idea, but I've I've done that exact same thing over the years, which is you just put you just put start to put a small amount in. Yeah. And it'll make you it makes you pay attention. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um so after Blade West, you are going to work on that because you are not busy. Mm -hmm. Um I'm going to sign up for it. That'll be awesome. And, uh, yeah. What do you think? Should we call it? Is that yeah. our,
1: is that our I, episode for the day? I think I said it on the last episode, but we do have turns at blade show, coming to Blake show West. Okay. I just want to nice. split that in. If I didn't say it before, if anybody's nice. going,
0: we do have turns. I will, I will drop that in the Facebook group too. Yeah. Um, dude, sweet. I'm super excited. That is like, cause you and I have talked about this quite a bit, which is like you are hustling and you are very efficient. You have passive income stream or, you know, like semi-passive through, uh, like licensing through, Mm -hmm. you know, um, why, why is my brain
1: through collaboration?
0: Um, but it's like adding, adding another piece of that, I think is Mm -hmm. super valuable. The, an online course seems like a perfect addition. Yeah, i Do you have an idea of like what it would, like what do you charge for an online CAD course? Uh,
1: So the only metric I can go off is I can remember like what we were charging roughly for a lot of the content that we were putting out on DVD. Yep. So it'd probably be in the ballpark of that. I don't really want to say a price right now because just I, don't, curious, yeah. I just don't have a format yeah, in, like fair. in mind. Are we talking like you buy 15 minute segments or is it just a three hour just bundle right. or yeah. is it, you know.
0: Yeah, I've just, I've only seen the way like some other people have do it, where you kind of like buy the course curriculum, like you buy like a block. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I. I'm is have it a to... membership membership program?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to be
0: membership based.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's literally just going to be like buy the access to the video. Um, and it's I- crazy because
0: you could almost break it down into like specific things too. Like if I were to look at it, I'd be like, "All right, how do I take?" how do I take a sketch to a tang? or okay. Uh, how do I model a blade bevel? Like just mm-hmm. modeling a blade bevel correctly is a huge amount yep. of time. Yep. That one thing could be a standalone kind of field.
1: I've also thought about doing it where it's like course one is a fit. We're modeling a fixed blade. Yep. Course two is we're modeling a folder So some of the fundamentals that were in the fixed blade, we're going to go through, but it's going to be a little bit more accelerated. I recommend you do the fixed blade one first, and then it's a folder. And then we expand it a little bit. Like we're going to surface model some handle scales, which is like another departure. And so I think there's ways to like make each one sort of a narrative arc of like, we're going to start with this and we're going to finish a knife. Just had a brain
0: tingle. You could basically do like, so t- we've talked about Titans of CNC before. I yeah. loved their model where like mm-hmm. you follow along, <clears throat> you can 3d print the part. You can go machine the part, right? Like they do the cam, they do mm-hmm. all this stuff with it. Mm-hmm. You could, you could essentially do an open source knife that like you take the course, they mm-hmm. have the knife, they can make the knife, they could take it and get it water jet cut. Mm-hmm. They could have it ground. You do so. That's like a fun, it's yeah. like a very fun yeah. kind of community driven. You're like almost gifting something to the industry because you're like, here's a design. But then they have the building blocks to actually make that thing. Yeah. No, that'd be cool. You get tagged a lot. And I think that yeah. would be pretty, That's pretty fun. cool. That's cool. Fun. Let's wrap it. Yeah. All appreciate right. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, listening, for listening, guys. Yeah. Peace. Talk to you next week.